1: Episode 35 is back, and with it we have a growing crew along the way. We talk West Ham's nil-nil draw against Aston Villa and all the activities that came along with that, and we look ahead to Manchester United coming to the London Stadium as well as visit some Hammers Polls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to episode 35 of the Green Street Hammers podcast. Uh, we're back with a uh, gradually growing crew for this one. So right now we have uh, Lewis and Scott, our two uh, gentlemen who sound at least like they know what they're talking about. Uh, Lewis, how you doing?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: Good, good, good. And Scott, nice to have you back. How's Australia?
3: all oh, right it's lovely. Yeah, springtime coming in, 20 degrees.
1: Uh, so we're, we're passing seasons here. I'm, I'm in Toronto, so it's... Coming down to 20 degrees, although it was 25. i was sweating cutting the lawn today, but uh, it's. I'm a, I'm a big fall guy. Fall, spring. I have no time for snow and no time for 30 degree heat. Louis, what, what's it like where you're at? Uh,
2: dark. I guess that's true.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 4:48 p.m. in Toronto. It is 6:48 p.m. tomorrow in Australia, uh, and it is 11. Uh,
2: nine. No, nearly 10.
1: Not nearly 10. Okay, there we go. So. We're all over the place. We're global here. It's it's always (laughs) nice to to get some different uh, viewpoints here. Uh, But we have, um, I don't know how different our views will be on the match on Monday. First of all, do you guys like the Monday match?
3: Did I like it? I mean, there was, uh, it's actually one of the ones I can watch usually uh, because uh, late night in the UK means I can watch it early morning here in Australia. Uh, I just thought that my... Well, the officiating kind of took it away from any kind of uh, contest and um, we played better with 10 men for some reason. So I don't know why that happened.
1: <laughs> Lewis, what, what, what's your knee-jerk reaction to, to the match on Monday? And do you like playing on when the team plays on Monday as it is anyways?
2: Um, Well, over the weekend, no, because you get you get to see everyone else playing and you're kind of just like eager to watch your own team. But I suppose when Monday comes around, it's a bit exciting because it's like the only game of the day is like, it's kind of like a one-off game rather than a bundle of games and you're the main focus. But, uh, you know, a nil-nil wasn't, uh, exactly what we'd been waiting two weeks for, was it?
1: (laughs) No, that's, that's maybe a fair way to put it. I, uh, I, I kind of agree with you guys. Officiating, obviously, we'll get to that. But the Monday itself, I was re- so I finished work depending on how early I get there at 3 p.m., which is when kickoff was on Monday. So I had the stream going in the car on the way home, and I was gonna go to the gym, maybe go on the elliptical, have the phone up, watch the game. But it started to rain, and then I lost motivation really quickly, and I just turned right <laughs> instead of going left, and uh, I watched the match on the couch, which was kind of nice to be honest. But. Let's just uh, let's jump into the team formation here. The, the formation sorry, in the team selection. Uh, Fabianski is a no-doubter to start. Issa Diop, Angelo Ogbana, strong partnership. They look great in this match too, but going into it, that was the de facto starting. Mazuaku, pr- prior to the international break, was apparently the best left back in European football. On right side, mm. we have uh, Ryan Fredericks, who's been quiet, which I think is a positive for him. No one's putting him under the microscope, so that's good. Mark Noble, Declan Rice, in front of them, in front of them sorry, Yarmolenko, Lanzini, Felipe Anderson, and Alaire up top. Lewis, did you have any issues with the team selection? Are we really happy to see the same winning team kept?
2: Yeah, I was happy. Uh, I'm not really one for switching up teams when you go on a winning run. I like to keep the momentum going. And uh, I was happy with it prior to the game, and... I suppose even at the end of the game, there's still nothing I would have changed in hindsight because uh, I just think, think things didn't particularly click offensively on the night.
1: Yeah, there, there was sort of a, a, a lack of a sting to the to the match there. Scott, did you have any issues with the team staying the same?
3: Uh, no, I think uh, when you look at the squad uh, look at the players that are coming back and um, who we would have had as another choice, I didn't think there was much in the way of alternatives it's why I would have liked to have kept maybe Dean Garner around because without Antonio, I don't know who you give uh, who gives uh, Jan Malenko, uh probably necessary competition on that mm-hmm. right hand side um, uh, and Yarmolenko is probably the one that people may have said probably couldn't or didn't want to start, but he scored in the last game. He's come back from a big injury and he's improving. So uh, I didn't have anything that I would have changed really because otherwise, well, who'd you bring in? Uh, For now, he came on, but I, I don't know if we have quite worked out where the best place to put him is, especially in a team that already has Lanzini.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I can disagree with you guys much on anything. I kind of put sowed the seed of doubt uh, of Lanzini coming off of injury and international play on, on in returning only on Friday, whether he should start or not. But um, he wasn't all that great in this match, and he's kind of known for blowing hot and cold. So um, I don't know if you can really hang it on him in, in this game. But Yarmolenko, he's like the ideal, not ideal, but the like archetypal uh, luxury player. When he shoots the ball and it goes in the net as dumb as that sounds you love him but if he's not doing specifically that he looks maybe a little lost or disconnected from the team and he probably and maybe rightfully so gets a a lot of attention negatively directed towards him unless he does end up on the score sheet but yeah i'm with you guys the the same team was was likely to be picked and i'm happy that it was consistency is going to breed results i think eventually when players start getting more comfortable with each other and that chemistry builds even further than it already looks like it already has. Uh, look, going yeah. into this one did, so, uh, sorry, uh, Lewis, do you want to jump in there?
2: So I was, I was just agreeing with what you said.
1: <laughs> uh, jumping into this one here. Uh, did, did you guys, was there any sort of not fear, but, um, maybe respect or, or whatnot for the Aston Villa team? There's a couple players on there that are threatening. Did, did you guys, uh, think it was going to be a difficult match or we'd be under threat by them at any point?
2: Yeah, I think we were bound to be under threat by them at various points in the game due to you know, them being at Villa Park. We mentioned last week what they, what they uh, did to Everton a few weeks ago. So uh, we can look back and reflect and think, well, we got a better result than Everton did and we're probably a similar level of team to them. So, looking back, the nil-nil isn't particularly a bad point in you know in retrospect.
3: Yeah, 100%. So, but yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, exactly the point. Uh, you have to take it they, they, whilst they're still learning that the ropes, as such, because they bought a lot of players over the summer, so there's a lot of players coming in. Um, they've got some dangerous players. They've got some decent strikers. Grealish uh, is trying to improve a point in the Premier League. Um, after all of these, will he, won't he moving uh, stories to other teams? Uh, so he's trying to prove that he belongs in the Premier League. Um, and yeah, any Premier League team at home is, is going to give you a challenge because that's, that's where they make their moves. That's where their points come in. So without uh, sounding like, two off script a draw away from home it's yeah i mean you probably want to be beating someone like aston villa uh, getting four points from them over the season but we've done we've, we're halfway there to that in fact that we've got the away point and yeah there's certainly no shame in coming away with a draw
1: yeah hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you know we'll, we can talk about the circumstance now to why uh you know a nil nil draw was good Uh, for West Ham. But I I kind of agree with you guys. I think there's that mindset of if West Ham are going to be the team that steps up from the mid-table to challenging for European football, these are the matches you have to win. Regardless, home and away, beat the teams that are worse than you, especially the newly promoted teams. And West Ham struggled with that in the past few seasons. So, you know, drawing Brighton, who are banana skin, as we know, and drawing Villa away is, again, probably an okay result. And like you said, Scott, taking four points on the season from them and not really, quote-unquote, I know you technically dropped two, but not you know, giving them any points as far as losses are concerned will be a positive. Um, in this match, it looked almost immediately like a circumstance that was going to cause West Ham headaches because Mike Dean was officiating on a solo Monday night show, and of course he had to star in the program. Um, I tweeted out from our account, it, it's a shame when you see a physical, well-matched football game get Derailed by Mike Dean, who wants the attention on him because Aston Villa plays with this chip on their shoulder. Their players do like for some reason I I don't understand why it's there, but they play like they are they you know they're owed something. Graylish getting up and flopping around with his Peaky Blinders haircut, and you know Jamie McGinn trying to be a tough guy. There's just there's this attitude towards them, and it kind of you know rubs me the wrong way. But I can see why you know Villa fans would love your team if that's them, but. West Ham, again, they have that reputation of being a little bit rough around the edges. Uh, Mark Noble brings that, I think, a lot, and Antonio did too, but uh, it's a shame to see the match derailed, and um, let me just start with this. Do we have any issues with the initial card that went to Mazuaku?
3: No, I thought it was the
2: other card. Yeah, I agree That didn't have any complaints about that whatsoever, to be fair.
1: in. To be honest, I wouldn't have even minded that card if he had taken it in the second half as his first card and not in the 23rd minute when he was so cleanly beat on a play down the wing. That's kind of disheartening, but um, it's kind of the good with the bad with Mazuaku. We'll go to the second card. From the referee's position, from where I watched it from, it looked like he completely took out his legs and rushed in late on that tackle, so I can understand that. Is this not... Can, can, can we use VAR to look at... I know it's a, not a complete sending off, it's a second yellow card, and you can't look for yellow cards, but if it's a sending off, are you allowed to use VAR? Do we know this?
3: No, no. I,
2: don't, I don't think so, because no, it's, it's not clear and obvious, is it really?
3: Well, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, under the rules, it, it, there's so many um, stipulations, because like people were so scared of it being used, it's now come in and people are going, why are we not using it more? Uh, and, yeah, I don't think we're allowed to... You're not allowed to use it for yellow card decisions. So it's a yellow card decision, not a red card decision. Uh, know, so yeah. if, it, so yeah. if if Masawaka would come in and um, the my, he'd thought it was um, a two-foot challenge and given a straight red, and actually like VAR looks at it and goes, no, nope, you got it wrong, uh, that's not a red card challenge, uh, then, then he could have made a decision. But because it's a yellow card challenge, it, you can't do anything about it. It's um, actually Aston Villa were on the other side of a uh, decision earlier against Crystal Palace, where there was I can't remember who was refereeing in that match, but uh, he called a dive against Grealish, just as I think it was McGinn maybe uh, scored, but yeah, because
2: Lansbury scored,
3: yeah, that's a Lansbury, and then um, because the referee had blown the whistle before the goal had been given, VAR couldn't be used to give the goal. Um, because it had happened after the whistle, so there's I still think, uh, there's still a lot to work out with VAR in this case. I just think it the referee, uh, I, I think he needs to use his head, like give it a time and go. St- I don't know, I just I don't think that's worth I, I, having I said when I saw it, I would, I, I, I told the player to get up, uh, because he he didn't come in stamping and that's the way that it made it look from his reaction. So, um, I think the Villa player.
1: Oh, Scott, we may have lost you there. All right. We'll continue on Lewis yeah, here. The Villa player kind of looked to embellish yeah. the dive there, I think. Not, a, not the dive, embellish the contact. <laughs> the cause, Cause Mazuaku certainly put his arm across him and, and, and invited that contact on. But is that contact enough for a yellow card?
2: I won't lie. At first, like you, I, from the initial angle, of the general play of the pitch, I, it just I just presumed he pulled him back, and I thought, you know what, fair enough, because uh, that is generally a yellow unless you're Manchester City. <laughs> and uh, but on the replay, I mean, come on, he barely touched him, did he? And it just looked to me like Mike Dean could not wait to pull out those cards oh he's got history about him yeah exactly as usual I mean the West Ham fans were chanting uh Mike Dean it's all about you and I think that perfectly sums it up
1: and you can sub out you can uh, sub out West Ham fans for pretty much any fans that he decides to open up his his cards for Scott do we have you back well, I say I don't know what happened there,
2: but uh, <laughs> you, uh, you were we seamlessly- making such an elaborate point as well. Yeah, I know. We, we seamlessly
1: <laughs> just covered it right up, so <laughs> it's all good. Um, um,
2: so yeah, uh, to finish just, your
3: point there. Yeah, I will say I think that Masawaku needs to learn a little bit of gamecraft. And um, you're right; he should never have got that. Like, he shouldn't have picked up that yellow card in the 23rd minute. Like if he'd had any kind of game management, um, and then when you're on a yellow card getting that close to a player like in that that kind of speed. Um, it, it's not like um, Premier League players aren't going to sort of be resilient and stay on their feet to help out their fellow uh, professional. They're, they're going to be going down. So you have to understand that any kind of foul or perceived foul that you give away is really just um, you're rolling the dice, especially with the referee you have. And uh, maybe someone should have said something to him. And just said like absolutely nothing in the second half.
1: And Give him a bit of
3: space, and then
1: uh, we'll go from there. I I, th- I just was hoping he would at least have a conversation with his official, his assistant on the sideline, who was there. Um, but anyways, you know, we move on from this, and and you know, we go from one decision that went against West Ham's way to maybe one that went for it because Mark Noble uh, received an early yellow card in this match, 29 minutes. I think Mike Dean, you could see him saying, "You've had five, Uh, tackles or fouls uh, that that went unpunished so he gave him uh, a card in the 29th minute and then in the first half still Noble had the ball fall to him at the top of the box and it looked like he got taken down, actually kind of looked like he had a shot that got blocked close range and his momentum carried him to the ground upon replay he just kind of mistimed the ball and dropped to the ground for no reason to his defense he got back up very quickly when I think he realized that wasn't as close to uh, a penalty as he thought but do we think he was diving here? I,
2: th- I think... I, I mean, I don't like the phrase where people go, uh, he was um, waiting for contact. But I think that's what Noble was doing, probably there. And as soon as he fell to the ground, he, like you say, you realize, oh my God, <laughs> I effed up here. And uh, tried to play it off as much as he could. But I, I... I I've been saying like to other people. I think he just you know buckled or whatever, or whatever. But uh, I, I've been trying to put it across from another perspective. And had, like if that was a Tottenham player, Carrie Kane doing that, would I say dive? I would say yes, it would be a dive. So mm. I think you know, without the claret goggles on, it probably it probably was a dive. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Scott, <laughs> you different? Good. Yeah, I, I'd say I think it's the same. If, uh, I've been uh, shouting at Jamie Vardy and Harry Kane for the last <laughs> couple of seasons. Every time that they go, oh, yeah, but I was just expecting contact. and Sour. it's Zara, like, well, Salah. It, it, it's just, I, I don't know. If you did it in Sunday League, everyone would shout at you and uh, Toad to get up. And um, I just think that you have to have some kind of... Like, it, he. It is, again, it's the game management. It's that high football IQ uh, people bring in. Um, because they know that the contact will make, well is likely to come, and they go down for it, and it's just a bit... Yeah, I, I don't know. I would probably say he could have been booked at another time, and uh, yeah, it probably is a dive. Uh, I do but... have
2: to say, though, um, it wasn't even nearly as bad as Wesley's dive at the end of the second half.
3: Oh, I saw that, saw
2: that
1: him, video clip. It was,
3: where it looked he like a
2: shot. literally shot of snipes <laughs> from the crowd. Yes,
3: uh, I say, like the the saving grace is a hundred percent that it was no, it's never a dive like that or a, an instant like that is never going to be a, a, the worst one of that weekend for the Premier League. There's always someone doing it worse, and this time it was in the same match.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, it's it's a fair point there, and I, like you said, the the West Ham coloured glasses goggles sometimes you know judge your or alter your judgment a little bit there. In the end, it's a nil-nil draw for West Ham. They played uh, the better part of 25 minutes with uh, 10 men. And they ended up, like you had said earlier, Scott attacking a lot more when they had the the less players on the pitch. Uh, Notably, um, Pablo Fortnales came on for Yarmolenko, who we said didn't do much. After uh, Mazuaka was sent off, Zabaleta came on to play the left side. And eventually, Balbuena came on for three minutes, replacing Noble to sort of close out the match. It was something admirable about how West Ham played. Lewis, did you did you see them continue to stick to their game plan or did you see them turn it up a notch on, you know, the counter-attacking football?
2: Yeah, I think the latter definitely. And I mean, I think part of the reason for us perhaps attacking more since we went down to 10 men is uh Villa committed a bit more maybe because uh when we had 11 men on the pitch, they were often very far back in their own half in, you know, like blocks of four and that, and uh, they pushed forward a bit more, leaving us room for, uh, to get those counter-attacks in and if we had better decision-making in the final third, then uh, we likely would have gone and won it like finals in the last minute. I mean, everyone was crying for him to shoot, really. and he decides to You know, pass it to Alair instead. But uh, I think the player that we missed most uh, during those final twenty minutes, I think Antonio would have had an absolute field day. It makes me just sad thinking about it.
1: Tired defenders, space. Their wing backs were getting, or their full sorry, were getting forward a lot in the match too. Uh, Oh, it would have been the the perfect script for him to come in. And
2: I also think. Subbing Anderson off wasn't the best idea. I know he wasn't having the best game, but I think he would have stretched the defense more than uh, what Lanzini did, who was playing quite deep anyway.
1: Yeah, and but, Anderson can play in the middle of the park too, so if you want to flip him yeah. to the inside, I agree.
2: Yeah, but I, I guess Pellegrini just wanted that extra cover in the middle.
1: Which is fair. Scott, did you like how they closed out the match? I know you uh you, you did you did watch the match as well and, and you know, it was an inspiring effort do you blame fornals maybe this is a better question do you blame fornals for not shooting or was it too much too fast too soon for him when he came on uh, i
3: think um what you've fornals passing in that position is uh, indicative of someone who's not had a premier league start or i don't think he's had a premier league start yet I um, think he
1: started, started the, the first one. Oh, no he oh, started
3: that's it but uh, yeah, but he's not played too many Premier League games. He's obviously not one of the first choice attacking midfielders at the moment. And I think he's just lacking that little bit of confidence to do what, again, the game management situation. And he's kind of, he knows he's in here. He knows his biggest skill is his passing and his skill on the ball. And then as soon as that ball's come across, like there's 90% of players would just hit it. And I think he's just doubted himself. Uh, I think he's just kind of um, I think we saw, um, I saw saw Mesut Ozil do the same thing uh, at Arsenal either a season or two ago um, and he's had a clear opportunity to shoot and he's just tried to do something a bit over clever because he's not confident in his own ability to just, or right at that point to just have a go himself and just suffer the consequences if he gets it wrong um, and if I was Pellegrini I'd just be making sure that he is aware that if he has a shot in that situation that's not wrong uh, I think we can't be scared of making mistakes in that kind of position. If you ping it from 30 yards and you miss by a fair distance, that's, yeah, that's on you because you've made that choice. But when you're in the penalty area in the last minute and the ball's come across to you and all you've got to do is like give it a give it a drill across goal and see what happens. Yeah, go for it. I don't care if you miss it. I, I, care do, have, sky- I
2: do have to say, though, that um, the pass to Ala, I think it was on, to be fair. I think he just... Uh, you know mistimed it a little and if it had a little bit more weight on the pass it could have reached him
3: I, I agree i do think that it was on but i just think that at that point you have to if you if he shoots across goal and the keeper fumbles it back out he can hit one of the defenders or have it yeah. and go in i think you've got more options with the shot uh, no, I agree completely. the pass has to be perfect to come off there uh, i 100 percent agree with you that um, hello uh, was in a decent position but I, d- I think Halle was actually surprised he was getting past the ball uh, I think he I think everyone in the everyone in the ground expected that to just be hit and they say if he misses by miles people go oh well like not the end of the world but um, yeah hopefully he uh, takes that away and um, uh, Pellegrini gives him a bit of confidence in himself to just back himself a bit more.
1: Yeah, I, I to to bring it to a close here, I think people would have been a lot more understanding if he had not flubbed a shot, but you know, had a shot saved or, you know, missed a, a near shot because he had just sort of gotten into the mix in the game. I know it had been about thirty minutes or so, but the first chance and look he had at goal, people would be a little more understanding of that than a you know, a poor pass that ended up turning possession back over. He was I think he's right footed as well. There was a defender closing in on him. The keeper had a good angle. Maybe there was something to him not being confident with it, but It's nothing to slate him for. I think he's fine and he'll grow into the match. Uh, As this match ended, we're all happy with one point, I'm sure, situationally. West Ham end uh, end the match uh, with eight points. Even uh, with Tottenham, Manchester United, Leicester City, Chelsea, and Arsenal, one point above another little grouping of Bournemouth, uh, Southampton, Everton, and Crystal Palace. And we have one of our combatants uh, tied for third, uh, if you take out goal differential, Manchester United coming up. But Before we jump into that and before we take a break here, Lewis, I'll start with you. Are you happy with the point total of eight and the goal differential of minus one to sort of end this first block of of games here?
2: I am happy. I mean, after the Man City drubbing, if you offered us four points out of the next four games, I think think most West Ham fans would have uh, gladly accepted that.
3: And Scott? Yeah, 100%. I, I think if you uh, uh maybe before the first game uh people were very optimistic and everything but after that i think you have to take uh, everything into context and go we're in a decent position now so let's uh press on
1: i couldn't agree more and with that we'll take a quick break and we'll come back to look ahead at that manchester united match and then rapid fire some hammers polls questions don't go anywhere all right, we are back, and uh, as mentioned to start, we have grown, and Jeremiah is now here. Jeremiah, how the hell are you?
4: I'm good, fellas. I'm in the lovely Jackson Hole this evening, so I can't uh, I can't complain about that at all.
1: You have a slight robotic tinge to your voice. We talked about accents to start this uh, podcast, and you seem like you're from the future. So uh, we're happy to have you <laughs> along with us here on board. And as mentioned uh, previous to, we're going to jump ahead and look at Manchester United, uh, the, the once fearsome Manchester United. I just listened to the West Ham Way podcast and they said back at Upton Park, there's a time where we used to cheer if we'd won a, f- a corner against United and uh, how times have turned and, and t- changed things. Again, we're level with eight points on... Uh, in the table with them, although they're up on differential and they're coming off a win over Leicester, um, who again are tied with all of us at eight points. The logjam there continues. Jeremiah, you're here, we want to get you injected into this episode as much as possible. When you look at this team, do they scare you? Do they have you sort of thinking, oh no, a, a top six team is coming to play West Ham?
4: I think if you look in the past, right, that you know, the West Ham Man U games, I mean, yeah, it was it was frightening in the past, and the name. Manchester United might scare you but I think it's a a big thing of like a kind of fallen giant I think when you look at the Man United of this season it's not the same that it has been in the past so do they scare me I guess as a name and as a possibility of what they could do yes but I think that we've kind of definitely upped our game in the last year and especially this year we've definitely upped our game to the point where it's not as terrifying
1: Uh, I want you guys to all kind of in unison answer this uh, just as a yes or no I'm going to read off their entire (laughs) roster of players here uh, and I believe it includes some um, loaned out players too I don't maybe not anyways uh, I'm going to read them out and you give me a yes or no if they uh, if these players scare you Uh, Andreas Pereira
2: no
4: no no Fred no
1: Uh, Angel Gomez
4: no no
1: I don't even know him Uh, Jesse Lingard. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Nemanja Matić.
3: Scare is the wrong word. I I I quite like Matić, but I think he's a bit out of his depth at Man United, trying to plug all the holes that their midfield leaves.
1: God, he'd be good beside beside uh, Declan Rice, wouldn't he?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. I think he's he's lost a bit of mobility
4: you now, so he's not as good as he used to be. But
1: he physically scares me. Like I, I yeah, it's,
4: yeah. It's... <laughs> Compared uh, to the other names, yeah, yeah.
1: Paul Pogba. Yeah, he does.
4: Yeah, oh, yes. on yes. his oh, yes. day, Quaking. on his day, yeah.
2: But on his day, when is his day? I mean, Mar Noble got the better of him last season in the same fixture, so. <laughs>
1: That's a fair point. Uh, Tahit Chong. He's the guy with the
2: afro I think. Afro, I think he came on for them last week. Uh, oh. and he looked quite good actually, but I'll still say no.
4: <laughs> no, so it's a no.
3: I, I don't think you can be scared of players like that because the
1: Premier League is full <laughs> of players like
4: that. James right, Garner.
1: We... I don't know this one either so. It's a no, no. for me. It's going to be
2: another, a another of the youngsters. Uh Daniel mm-hmm.
1: James. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he, yes, he's got somewhat. a scary right right foot. I'll I'll give him that for sure.
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but apparently being... injured.
2: Oh, was he injured? Oh, right. Okay.
1: Uh, Juan Mata.
2: No, not anymore.
1: Not anymore. Yeah, I'm with no. you there. I thought a couple
2: years
4: ago.
1: Once maybe one of the more underrated players, just based off of how much he did for United. But mm. yeah, not anymore. Scott McTominay, poor man's uh, Declan Rice.
4: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no, no, me neither. All right, defenders. Eric Bailly probably injured. I think he is injured. So pretty sure yeah, he's just injured. A...
4: Yeah.
1: No. Uh, Timothy fosu No, no. Harry Maguire.
2: No. I'd like, I, uh, yeah, he doesn't scare. you doesn't. I mean, he... I mean, his head, his head scares
1: me. But yeah, the, <laughs> the, the just the edges on that square block he's got on top of his shoulders <laughs> could open you up. Uh, Marcus Rojo. No, again, not. he scares me for different reasons. I think he he has got an elbow or like a, a shiv yeah. on him at some point in time. As you can see uh, Axel Twanzebi another youngster. So I think he still yeah. has some, some time to not approach. really. Uh, Ashley Young,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: it scared me if I was in the crowd.
2: <laughs> if I was a Man United uh, fan, I'd be scared. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Uh, there's a few of those coming
1: up. <laughs> Hold on to that answer. Uh, Diogo Delo. Uh,
2: nah, I no. think he's a decent youngster. He might get better, but uh, he's not exactly terrifying.
1: Phil Jones.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he could He
1: could be West Ham's best striker in this match. You never know.
4: He could be. Kick it to him. <laughs> Sadly, I don't think he'll play, but...
1: Damn. Uh Victor Lindelof, the new contract he just signed is till twenty twenty four, I believe. Uh I think he's a solid defender, but he doesn't uh he, he scares me with you know, he'll just have a quiet game and, and defend well. He's not a real game changer offensively for them.
2: I for think sure. uh Aller has definitely got the capability to uh yeah. oust him physically. I don't, sure. think, I, think yeah, I don't think I think Lindelof's a decent little player, but um I think physically, when he comes up against those kind of strikers, he's not the most imposing. So I think uh, Haller might uh, have his number there. Luke Shaw? And uh, he's also
1: injured as well. He, ma- he won
2: Man United's Player of the Year last year, but I, I suppose that is a sign of how bad <laughs> they were last <laughs> it's year. More all. of an indictment
1: <laughs> on the team, really. Yeah. Uh, Aaron wan I, I think, think
2: he's a He's a very good player. player. Good player. player. I think uh, Anderson
4: got the better of him last season, though. He was going to
1: dribble past him multiple times in one game, I believe.
4: Yeah, I think he's frightening, but we have the capabilities to uh, to take him on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, if he's going past Anderson, you know it'll be Cresswell sticking in a knee to try and injure him. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, David de Gea.
2: I mean, oh, just, sh- just shoot at his near post and we'll, like,
1: score. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or directly at him. You never know.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: But on his day, yeah. uh, obviously, arguably the best keeper in the world. I just think there's few and fewer and fewer those of those nowadays. But he has the ability to completely steal a match. So I guess you have to have that <laughs> in the back yeah, of your sure. head. Uh, now their incredibly small group of forwards, Mason Greenwood.
4: No. No.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've heard he's got... Uh, Talent, but again, he's you he can't exactly scare you. Can
4: he's
1: not scaring me in four days' time? That's, I guess, Mm-mm. yeah, exactly. That's,
3: that's uh, I, I definitely think he's a player for the future from what I've seen, but um, and he, he could bring it up, but it's uh, yeah, we're talking about what we should be scared of in the Premier League, it's not the Man United scare about uh, Marcus
1: uh, Rashford, is he one of the he, I think he's one of the few who would who could turn a game,
3: yeah, I, s- I think I still. Sorry, go on. No, I think he's a good player. I think he's got a lot of talent and uh, he's pro- he doesn't look as confident as he did even to start the season mm-hmm. right as he does now. And uh, and I think it's... I don't know what's going on at the club but you've got to make sure he's confident. He's happy. Because mm-hmm. if you're not, you're really struggling for goals.
1: Completely agree, yeah. He, he has the skill and the speed. He just needs sort of the mental toughness but I think that'll come and he'll be a Premier League great. But um, that missed penalty and... and And I think maybe the weight of Manchester United being on his shoulders kind of has turned that down a bit.
2: Yeah, um, I think... I mean, he's playing in the striker position for them. But uh, I think most Man United fans would tell you that he's not a natural centre-forward in kind of the same way uh, Arnautovic was for us. Like, he won't get in the positions that you would want, you know... Yeah. a natural striker to get into
1: and the final one is Anthony Martial uh, again he was injured yeah. but I feel like he's got the ability to steal a game and he's done it against
4: West Ham yeah he's been a West Ham killer yeah yeah yeah. will yeah, Martial
3: I think uh, with Lukaku out of the Premier League much to most West Ham's fans happiness so I think Martial <laughs> is probably our uh, bogey player uh, at the moment and uh, uh, he's he's got talent as well. There's no not just like he's a, a player that pops up and scores just against us. He is a decent player, but again, he seems to be one of these uh, guys that is really affected by what goes on behind the scenes. And um, when it's not quite going on, going well, it it really shows him when he's on the pitch.
1: Yeah, I think, I think a, is Kierdo. That's our that's our real bogey player. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead,
2: Lewis. <laughs> no, I was just saying. I think he's got. Uh, all the talent in the world, but being at Man United over the past few seasons, with you know managers and uh, just an influx of players, I think he's stagnated. Maybe from you know when he first came. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I and think that's mm-hmm. not 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 far off from the truth.
2: It also
1: shows, I think, the gravity that playing for Manchester United has on a player like that. If he was playing for Everton, he'd probably be. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the exact complete case study of uh, Romelu Lukaku mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah. with those two teams, right? You play on Everton. The aspirations are that you have a good season and maybe reach European football, crack the top six. For Manchester United, it's that you win the league and that you're in Champions League and you're, you know, you're in all of these things. You're probably playing for France if you're Anthony Martial. That's, that's, the, that's the idea that you want in your head. It's a lot of, that's a lot of stress to put on young players. All right. I think with with West Ham and their team, there's only one area of concern outside of, um, you know, right wing. So we'll address both of them together. Maybe we'll separate. We'll separate. Sorry. Let me let me back that up. Right wing or you know right midfielder. If if we're playing a three two three one, sorry a four two three one. Um, do you have Yarmolenko starting, uh, Jeremiah, or do you have maybe Snodgrass stepping in, or maybe Fornals? Who do you have there?
4: I think uh, I think it's time for four nows I think that with giving Yarmolenko a shot and we, we have given him good opportunities I feel like every game we've talked about him playing and he he's not on he's not on we're kind of cursing him off and he's not playing well and then he does he actually plays better so I think I, I think maybe giving four nows an opportunity I love snodgrass um, if he's gonna be on his game if he's gonna be on that typical kind of Mick game then yeah he, he's good to throw in there too but I do think that getting four nows out there is it's time and I I think he's growing. He's slowly growing into what the Premier League looks like and feels like with him. So yeah, I give Frenais a shot.
1: Lewis, uh, are you are you yep. sold on Yarmolenko?
4: Um,
2: not sold. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just trying to get the words into my head before I <laughs> spell them out my mouth. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I still don't think he's. Fully, well I know he isn't fully fit to be fair I mean as in match fit because he's blown out of his uh, rear end after like 20 minutes isn't he mm-hmm. and uh, by the time the second half comes you know it's time for him to get uh, substituted the substitution of him is you know inevitable at some point but uh, I think I'm, I'm happier starting him in, in uh, home games I think rather than away games where maybe he can perhaps afford to be a bit more of a passenger, and uh, while you know remaining a goal threat, which he is to be fair. But uh, in away games like the one on uh, Monday against Aston Villa, I thought it was it was kind of like playing with a man down at times. I don't know if that was accurate or a bit harsh, but
3: yeah, I, I certainly think that um, for for away games um it's really tricky because Yarmolenko is great if you can isolate him against the defender i mean everyone knows what he does but it's really hard to stop him doing it either he's going to cut back and whip the ball in or cut back and have a shot uh mm-hmm. but for some reason defenders really struggle to actually stop it when it comes uh, when he's on form uh but he's not great at um like having that kind of game changing or the, the game changing around him um So when we were, like, for example, I was glad he wasn't on when we were down to 10 men, because he wouldn't have had the pace and the uh, game positioning to sort of adjust where he had to be and to really punish any space. But against a side like Man United, I don't know whether we want someone who has that sort of ability to pull off a a game-winning shot uh, out of nowhere. Someone who can turn around and uh, ping it into the top corner from just outside the box is always going to be useful. Um, but I, I would start saying maybe we should, because we started in the last few games, he got a goal against uh, Norwich. Uh, maybe it's trying and start him off the bench, see if that's a better way for him to go.
2: Yeah, well, he, he created the uh second goal in the fixture last season which ended up being an own goal so he has history against him i guess mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's i think that's that's a fair assessment I, I the only other position that really is cause for concern i think we, we all think lanzini uh anderson allaire noble rice diop uh ogbana fredericks fabianski they're all going to be there
2: mm-hmm.
1: the left back do we what do we do with the left back scott i'll come to you first here do you go conventional wisdom you play a left back in a left back spot even though he's not the best player with Cresswell. do you go maybe a little bit more balanced with uh Zabaleta, who can still get forward and back pretty well and is all around a better player than Cresswell? or do you go dual footed natural right back exciting prospect ben johnson
3: uh, I would go with Cresswell. I think he, it's uh, it our game shape to have a full-back that can overlap and use their dominant foot on their outside. Uh, so, Frederick's on the right-hand side is exactly what we're after. Someone who's... I mean, last season, people pushed his defensive uh, issues. And, yeah, I think he's really uh, worked on that. And um, we're in a position now where we've got a really pacey right-back and he, he's exactly what uh, Pellegrini's after. Um, so is the closest to that. Zabaleta I could understand because he is solid defensively, but I worry against a team like Man United, they could exploit any space up and around him, especially with Anderson in front. It would mean that Anderson would really have to cover back because he would be all the pace on that wing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lewis, do you have any, any different ideas there?
2: No, I think I agree with... Uh what Scott said overall, really. I mean, I do like having full-backs uh, on the natural side with, like you say, the overlapping and uh, defending uh, part as well because, you know, when
4: uh,
2: full-backs get taken on down the strong side, it's easier for them to, you know, uh, usher them. Oh, marshal them in kind of a way. I don't know what I'm saying, really.
1: <laughs> <You're> <laughs> it sounded better.
2: In, it sounded better in my head than it came <laughs> out
1: Jeremiah, uh, do you want to do you want to jump in and save Lewis here? Do you have any thoughts on the, the positional <laughs>
4: change? No, I, I think we got to go. With what everybody said with Cresswell. I think the key, the bright spot, is that Felipe Anderson over the last season and this season has done really well at getting back on defense and helping out on the left hand side. Cresswell can overlap and he can get up there. If we can get those crosses down, I know he kind of puts the crazy ball in right now, and his crosses aren't looking good coming in. But if he can get those down or get them aimed better, he's still dangerous. Uh, definitely prefer Masuakiru. That's obviously not going to happen, but I think for this match, you got to go with Cress.
1: Yeah, there's two things that are that are dragging me in different directions here, and I neither of them is towards Ben Johnson. I think Oxford's waiting for us on the 25th of September. So Ben Johnson's a shoe in to start there. I think you probably play him right back on his natural side, Zabaleta on the left, or Cresswell if he's ready, but I doubt, doubt he will be if he plays in this match. Anyways, what I think about playing Manchester United, am I more concerned about my left back getting crosses in and helping the attack, or about shutting down their attack? And I think defending, and then that leads me to think, I, I, I the best defensive fullback we have is Pablo Zabaleta. He's faster, ironically, he's faster than the younger Cresswell. He's uh, better at making tackles. He actually gets up and down the pitch better than him too. I just don't love his delivery up front. I I maybe would lean towards Zabaleta to be the odd man out here, but whatever. Maybe that's crazy. Um, we do, we always do a prediction piece with our scores. Uh, and Jeremiah, you're, you're lovely enough to put that together for all of us. So I'm going to only ask one person for their score predictions here. And it's going to be Scott. Scott, do you have a prediction cocked up in your head and ready to go? or uh, And are you feeling confident or are you feeling maybe a little reserved?
3: Uh, I'm feeling uh, like so interesting you ask because I was just thinking about um, how confident I am. Because as soon as you were talking about it, I went, oh, I think we're going to win 2-1. And I, in previous years, I would have been... Uh, dubbed over-optimistic and uh, a madman for thinking we're going to beat Man United 2-1. But I really think that we've got a better, or a better cohesion in the in the starting eleven. Maybe not the all-star quality uh, points, but I think we've got enough of it to really challenge uh, top sides. And seeing the way they've performed over the last couple of weeks, they're certainly not invulnerable. Uh, they don't have that air of... Um, invincibility that they used to carry under Ferguson and and I would I'm not uh, saying I'm super confident but I feel pretty happy that it's not going to be embarrassing and uh, I feel pretty happy that we're going to have a good performance
1: Jeremiah in one word are you
0: confident
1: Mm, kind of (laughs) (laughs) that's two words but I'll take it in one word are you confident yes i'll i'll go with jeremiah and say two words me too i'm confident as well and <laughs> i think that's telling of this team um maybe we're the team that sort of slaps them around a bit and puts up a big number against them and, and you know it, it starts something with the club there um but i think we all kind of have our i've had our say here and Again, look for that prediction piece for our scores and our opinions and tell us how wrong we're going to be um <laughs> but to tide us over, we are going to jump to the ever-reliables Hammers Polls, at Hammers Polls on Twitter, HammersPolls.com, to get to their website. Again, jump in on Saturday. I know the match is on Sunday, but jump in on their Snap Polls, uh, snap polls Challenge on Friday. That will get you in the, ch- in, the, in the draw to win some gear from Sex, Drugs, and Carlton Cole, which is awesome. Um, we're going to go – I'm going to make a, a draft up in my head again, and I'm going to try not to forget it this time like I did last time. And we're going to go Jeremiah Scott-Lewis – Sorry, Jeremiah, Scott, myself, Lewis, and then we'll go back and forward as, as it goes through. So, Jeremiah, you're up first. Is it time for now, for For Fernales now to start yet?
4: I think I'm going to... I would be crazy to say no because I just said I wanted him to start uh, on that right side. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to say give him a shot. Like I said, if he's been kind of... I think he's been growing a little bit each match, and it's just going to... Like the whole Felipe Anderson deal where it just took a little bit for him. Coming from the Liga, it's, it's way different than the Premier League. It's just taking him some time and He's got the skill and the ability, so yeah, let's set him loose.
1: Uh, La Liga, not league. Uh, get your European
4: leagues right, Jeremiah. I'm just kidding. I must, I must have mumbled that <laughs> wrong. <so. laughs>
1: uh, Scott, yes or no on Fernandes to start? I think with well, the discussion we just had, I think yeah, I think uh, start him uh, probably on the right instead of uh, Yarolenko. Yeah, see what happens. I say no, Um, put him on the bench, let him come off. If Jarmolenko is invisible for 45 minutes, let him come on and and grow into the game. If not, you have a great opportunity to uh, steal the show and pull the strings against Oxford. Lewis, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'm leaning towards yes, but perhaps maybe shuffle it about. Because I believe Funal's best position is in the centre, like I think Scott uh, mentioned before, but that's where Lanzini operates, so uh, I think it was against Brighton, Lanzini coming off the left was quite good, and Anderson looked quite good on the right in pre-season, so mm. maybe maybe you could experiment with finals in uh, the middle, but again, maybe this isn't the game to be experimenting, maybe Oxford is the game to be experimenting, so... Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be too uh, disappointed if you started in your position. Uh okay, we'll
1: jump to the next one here. It's actually a really interesting question. Uh sorry, there was that poll the result as it stands right now. 268 votes, 69% agree with you, three losers and say yes, he should start. Uh, 31% are correct and say no. Uh, okay, on to the next question here. Again, a really interesting question. If Mark Noble were to start the ma- a- any match, any match on the bench, and Alaire is given the responsibility of taking penalties in his absence, if Noble comes on and within a minute a foul is awarded in the area, who takes the penalty, Noble or Alaire? Lewis, you're up first. Who do you got?
2: Oh God, I don't want to end up with a scenario like Chelsea yesterday. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, I think Pellegrini must uh, make it clear what the situation is either way. I mean, I guess if Martin Noble is on the pitch at any time, he is our penalty taker, as has been uh, for years. I mean, the only penalty I can remember anyone else taking when he was not on the pitch was uh, Arnautovic last season against Bournemouth at home, if you remember. Fair. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean... There's always uh, different circumstances. Like if ha- if uh Haller is a, like on a brace, maybe you'd let him have it, or if he won the penalty, maybe. But uh, I think in most instances, uh, I'd keep uh, Noble on penalty duty.
1: Yeah, I'm with your last thought there. I'm going Noble unless he unless he gives it up to Halaire. But I'm with Noble. How about you, Scott?
3: Uh, yeah, I think. Um... I think the only other player that's taken penalties for West Ham in the last couple of years has been Lanzini. He's scored one or two, but that's when Noble hasn't been on the pitch. Mm -hmm. And I think it's up to I think uh, he's right with the Pellegrini has to make it clear. But I would imagine Mark Noble is a penalty taker unless he decides otherwise.
1: Jeremiah?
4: Yeah, nothing different. I, I agree with you, Lewis. If he was coming up, maybe if Alair was coming on a hat trick... Then maybe give it to him, but yeah. Until Mark, until Mark Noble proves us wrong, and yeah. All right, That's Jeremiah, like a...
1: stay hot because this one question comes in again, and you're leading us off. This one's from Lena Starr, who again you can catch her views on episode 34.5, where Jeremiah interviewed her as well as the Hollander, uh, our New Orleans, uh, New Orleans uh, Hammer. This question from Lena says, who disrespected the shirt more, Arnautovic, Payet, Frank Lampard Jr. or Mia Khalifa? Uh, breaking, almost breaking news. Jeremiah, who do you have?
4: Man, she's really, she's really got it out for me. I'll say that much. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go, I still think Payet. I think I got, I I know him and the, him and Arnie situations were different. um, But for me, it was, it was just a very disrespectful time. I get, you know, you got to leave for family reasons or whatever it was Um, with, with, with Frank Lampard, it was kind of a different time in a different way. And I think, you know, a lot of fans treated him differently, so I could see why that happened. But for me, it's going to be for a long time, Payet. And hopefully nobody changes that. So. Scott? Uh,
3: I'd have to agree. I think what Payet did was pretty damn awful. Uh, I, I think Arnie was also very bad and uh, the way he treated the sure, shirt, the way he, he treated the club. Um, but we also kind of... Ha- knew that when we took Arnie on. He'd done it before. It's, it, it felt worse because, like, oh, it didn't feel as bad with Arnie because he he had this history of uh, going on strike, forcing moves, and this kind of thing. Hyatt was really, like, he just taken us to, uh, that fi- through the final season at the bowling, there was so much emotion around him, and then suddenly, uh, to have that uh, sort of spat back in our face, uh, thats that, for me, is the worst
2: uh
1: i should say that noble was voted 82 percent in the last poll to take the penalties but um i'm torn here. mia khalifa was straight up wearing a watford kit and then said she just cheers for whoever arsenal's playing um which is a, an out i think um no in all seriousness i believe i will say Arnautovic. as much as Payet sucked because of the time he did it in january he was the one who asked for a move. He's the one who uh, like, who, who asked for it, facilitated it, and saw it happen. Arnautovic played coy behind his brother, let his brother take all the blame, and lied to everyone here multiple times, saying he wanted to stay, and he's a new man, he signed a new deal, blah, blah, blah. Um, Arnautovic just straight up was a liar. We knew that when we signed him, we knew that when he was scoring goals for us, and we knew that when he was leaving. So I'll say Arnie. Lewis, what do you got?
2: Uh yeah i think i'll uh, side with you on this one yes perhaps because uh <laughs> i still have a little bit of love for paya in my heart even though i it shouldn't it's like a ex-girlfriend who cheated on you but you know you still miss her kind of <laughs> what a,
1: what, no, a but, what a way to describe it
2: yeah but i think uh i think you're right in saying Arnautovic was a little bit uh he was a bit of a coward in the way he hid behind his brother and like made out like in January that, you know, he, he was never wanted to leave and then signed a contract. Then in the summer left anyway. And that was all for money. Whereas a uh, I, I think it would genu- genuinely was a uh, you know, family reasons and he genuinely wanted to go back to France despite him doing it in completely the wrong way. But I'll also uh, give a shout out to uh Paul Lintz, who uh Okay. held up a Man United shirt before it even joined them. so i have probably picked him if he was on the list um, to break down
1: the voting here closer than you'd think Frank Lampard Jr. 9% Mia Khalifa is 26% with Payet at 27 so you can tell wow. recency bias may have factored in here it's fresh uh, exactly. and then uh, Arnautovic uh, was number one top snake with 38% um, okay Let's go on to the next question here. Uh, Lewis, it's coming back to you. Uh, this is interesting because we kind of touched on this, but do you guys think Pellegrini was right to bring on Zabaleta and take off Anderson after Mazuaku got sent off against Villa? Go ahead, Lewis.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Zabaleta coming on was definitely the right decision. I think he played uh, very well when he came on. I thought he bombed out, up and down the pitch uh, accordingly with the flow of the match. He... Stayed back most of the time, but when, in, when the attack needed to support, uh, he certainly offered it. But uh, like I said before, I don't think Anderson coming off was the right decision due to, you know, he had that extra little bit of pace which would have stretched the Villa defence and you never know, with him on the pitch, we might have scored one of those uh, opportunities that we had at the end.
1: Yeah, I think he was right to take off or to put on Zabaleta. But again, I, I would agree with you here, Lewis, and say basically the same thing that you did. I, I think Lanzini could have been better removed. I think the pace of Anderson, Lanzini doesn't offer you much when it comes to defending set pieces, which or you know aerial attacks, which is what uh, Villa tried to resort to at the end, um, just because Lanzini is a little small guy. So um, I agree. Mazuaki with the right choice to come... Uh, sorry, Zabaleta, the right choice to come on. Anderson, maybe not the right choice to come off. Uh, Scott?
3: Uh, yeah, I probably agree. I mean, the only, um, only reservation would be that um, we don't know all as much as Pellegrini does. And maybe he knew that Anderson was feeling tired anyway, and he was planning on taking him off. So as soon as that happens, you have to make a decision. And whilst Anderson's pace would have been great, maybe he's looking at it going... Maybe he's not uh, as fresh or as, as fit as we think he was at that point. Um, so I will trust Pellegrini in terms of that decision, but I probably would have wanted Anderson on because you've got someone like Lanzini in four now who uh, could have taken that kind of spot.
2: Good point. But
3: again, uh, maybe Pellegrini puts more trust in Lanzini defensively than we do, uh, as another thing.
1: That's a fair point there. Jeremiah, uh, your final thoughts on this one.
4: Yeah. uh, Shockingly, I'm going to agree with everybody else. And, uh, (laughs) I know, a broken record. But uh, I think that uh, we got to trust in what he was doing. Maybe not the right person. But, you know, Villa attacked. They were attacking pretty well a lot of different times during that match. And then you take off a defender and you not bring in another defender to kind of help out. I mean, it would have left us vulnerable and open, um, especially still kind of trying to attack. So I think it was the right call i you know i was thinking let's just take off an miles even though he just came on but uh (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah yeah it would that would have been kind of a savage move but um (sighs) yeah no i agree with what he did uh
1: that poll ended 75 percent agreeing that it was right to take off Zabaleta and put on anderson i think people maybe would have agreed if there was a third option but yeah it was uh it was a uh a tough one regardless of of uh how it played out there. The last question we're going to go to here is an interesting one. Uh, Sam Inkersol of Football London had written a report that said Pellegrini has admitted to making a mistake by including Balbuena against City after missing, missing most of the preseason due to international duty. Do you believe he was right to then drop the Paraguayan International and now keep Ogbana in Diop for the rest of the season? Jeremiah, do you like Agbana or do you like Balbuena more uh, from where we're at right now?
4: From where we are right now, um, I'm loving Ogbana. I think he's played well. I think a lot of times, last match they both played well, but I mean, in, in a couple of the matches, he's been the better of the two center backs. And I think that he might have got a little bit of the flair back from the uh, the earlier seasons of Ogbana, but yeah, you got to stick with what you got, and he's he's the better choice right now. Scott?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, I had absolutely no issues with playing Babuina because mm-hmm. in my head, if you just compare them on the same day, Wayne is a better player. But it, Pellegrini likes to have a right-footed and a left-footed uh, centre-back. So you have this kind of passing out. Uh, when you pass it across, the easiest pass is then back out to the wing and you open up the game quite easily. But um, I think for now, you keep with consistency. Uh, the centre-back partnership that's doing well, uh, you don't change it. Uh, really, just uh, as soon as you change something like that, you really start uh, playing with fate. And I don't like messing around defensively, unless you have to. Uh, so if it's not broke, don't fix it. And even though uh, me last season would be screaming at me for <laughs> saying, I think Ogwanda is in for now.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys. Ogwanda's been good. Let's keep him going there. But again, to start the season, I would have probably said Balbuena for sure. Um, I think, and I didn't think it was a mistake at the time bringing Balbuena in. Agbana, um, what I'll say is Agbana makes easy plays look hard, and <laughs> Balbuena confidently will make a mistake and look like he did nothing wrong the entire time. So maybe it's six and one half dozen here. Also, Agbana almost slammed a header into the back of our, our own net in the last game on a clearance that went fine for he a did. corner. Um, And again, he got up and kind of looked around and shrugged his shoulders, high five, Fabianski, and the ball didn't go in. So everyone's happy. But I say, yeah, keep Ogbonda until he does something wrong. Lewis, close us out here.
2: I mean, I'm just going to go with the general consensus again. Um, I mean, (laughs) since uh, the thrashing of the opening day, I think, I believe, we've had the best defensive record in the league since then. Two goals conceded in four games.
3: Pretty good.
2: So uh, that is obviously since Ogbonna and Diop have been a pair and so you can't really make an argument for Balbuena coming back in the team at this moment. Um, For the rest of the season, it's a bit harder to predict because uh, Ogbonna, I mean, as soon as Ogbonna makes a mistake, do you then bring Balbuena back or do you persist with Ogbonna again? I mean... Yeah.
1: How short is the leash? I think that's a good question. Yeah. And maybe the same can go for Yarmolenko up top, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, about uh, Yarmolenko again, just to reiterate from before, like, I mentioned he wasn't match fit, but to get match fit, he needs to carry on playing, so.
1: It's a double edged sword. Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, that will do it for us here. Uh, to all of you who participated in this, thank you, gentlemen. For those who listened, thank you for listening as well. Uh, maybe we'll be back with a weekend edition uh, post-Manchester uh, United match and pre-Oxford match to scratch that West Ham content itch. Uh, again, thank you to Jeremiah who hosted that uh episode with the Hollander and Lena Starr on the show Uh, we appreciate them taking the time to talk with us as well Uh, and until Sunday and beyond, come on you irons and we'll talk to you next week